animals were not harmed during that video. Uh, I think we're all going to deal with uh, life being fair and unfair, and I don't think there's not a day that goes by where we feel that there's unfair treatment. I think even when we were growing up, remember, someone in the family, if you had uh, siblings, they got everything, you didn't. Someone got the new car, you got the old car. Your brother got grounded more than you, so you felt good about that. Someone got better treatment than you. Or even in your jobs, you feel there's unfair treatment, that you work so hard and they don't, but they get the same perks that you do. Or how about in school? There's a teacher's pet, and you're not the pet. You get unfair treatment even in school. Or you go to a restaurant, and when you order something, and you and your wife order the same thing, your wife has more. And you're thinking, how come she has more? And so your, your wife very kindly says, do you want my plate? And they exchange it. It's actually a true story that happened with Heidi and I, and she actually gave up her plate. I didn't even say one word, but she could read what I was thinking. How come your plate is bigger? And we'll go through unfair times. And, and I look at it this way. Fair and unfair only becomes an issue when we compare. That's when it becomes unfair. Now, you can take out your notes. We're going to look at a, a man by the name of Daniel. Some of you know about Daniel, and we know him as Daniel in the lion's den. If you're reading the bookmarker with us, you're reading through the Bible, we're, we're reading the book of Daniel. And Daniel was someone who never compromised. He, he lived his convictions out. He didn't put aside what he believed in God, uh, with, with his belief in God. He stayed true to who he was in God. He didn't let the, the laws of the land change how he believed in God. He stayed close to God. He was thrown into the den of lions, which doesn't seem fair when you look at his situation and how passionate he was about his relationship with God and how dedicated he was towards God and how his, his, his lifestyle was so pleasing to God that to be thrown into a lion's den didn't seem so fair to him. But not everything will go our way. Some things we deserve, but some things we don't deserve. And so what we're going to learn today is that sometimes God's compassion shows up in the midst of dark times. And sometimes, even through the, the season of this thing called unfair, we can learn something from God. And maybe He's in the process of doing something. See, we, we live in a world that life seems unfair at times. And we can have mixed emotions about it. But when things don't go our way, it just seems that life is unfair. Have you ever had something great going for you? Your job or your family is going well? Or maybe you're, you're, you have a good pay, good health. Maybe your relationship is great. But then when you compare it to someone else, it's, it's disheartening. It's like you try so hard to lose weight. So hard. It takes you years to lose two pounds but your spouse within a week loses 10. And you're thinking, what? How does that happen? It's so unfair. Well, life is full of moments where it's unfair. Just think of it this way. When you are in a situation where life is unfair, maybe there's something else that's happening that you don't realize. And maybe God is doing something that we cannot see. Maybe something in the spiritual realm that we don't understand yet, but God is up to something. Maybe you're the one who, who does so many things at home. Maybe you're the one who works hard and you feel like everybody else doesn't. 
you feel like you're the one who's, who's keeping the family in line and the other person is just lazy. Maybe you feel like you're the one who's, who's making sure the finances are good and the other person is making sure the spending is great. It's like opposite sides and you feel like it's just so unfair. I don't, I don't get thanked all the time. Nobody thanks me. Nobody appreciates me. It's just so unfair. I just vacuumed the whole entire house and here you come walking in with your shoes, dirt all over the place. It's unfair. I work hard all day. You do nothing all day. And then I come home and what you're doing? The same thing. Nothing. So it can seem like life is unfair and what do you do? How do you respond to that? Now the reality of it is that We live in a world that's fallen. We live in a world that's full of unfair treatment. We live in a world that that reality, reality TV is actually successful because of fair and unfair. It's like we are entertained by fair and unfair. But God knows a better way. Because God is just. He's fair. God is fair across the board. God is a just God. In our eyes, it may seem unfair, but in God's eyes, everything He does is just and righteous and accurate. But again, fair and unfair only becomes an issue when we compare. I think it's because we love happy endings. You know, we all like happy endings. And like the Disney shows and uh, the Disney movies, it'll say, and they live happily ever after. We like that fairy tale ending, but not all endings happen that way. Because in order for us to have a happy ending, that means sad times must end. That's the only way you have a happy ending. There's no movie that ends sad, and they live sad ever after. It, it doesn't end that way. That's a, that's a horrible ending to a movie, where everybody just dies, and the end. It, we like happy endings. Remember that, uh, that, that, that football movie, it was uh, called Rudy, where uh, Rudy wanted to play for Notre Dame and he went to college there, but, but it was against all odds. And then finally he played in that game and, and, uh, and then they cheered for him, they, they carried him off the field. We love those kinds of endings. We cry because of those endings. When, when Mufasa died, remember in Lion King? Oh, that was sad. That was so sad. It was just a cartoon, but it was so sad. You felt like Mufasa died. But then when Simba became king and he growled at the end, oh, it was a moving moment. It was awesome. It was like, yeah, happy ending. Happy ending. Last year, the Super Bowl with, with the 49ers and Ravens and the lights went out and boy, were the 49ers fans happy when they started to come back. But they lost. It was a sad moment for the 49ers, but the Ravens fans, oh man, they were happy. It's fair for one side, but the other side is not fair. And we look at, okay, who's, where, do we, where do we go when life seems unfair? Well, how do we respond when there are unfair times and, and things don't go our way? Well, Daniel, in the lion's den, and, and the things that he dealt with, there were a lot of unfair moments in his life. Let's look at your notes in Daniel chapter 6. Let's look at Daniel's ending. Daniel chapter 6, verse 28. It says this, So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So these are two different kings that Daniel was was able to prosper under. Daniel had had a happy ending. And if our premise is true that in almost every happy ending, that there must be a 
ending, there must be an ending to a sad moment, then what were Daniel's sad moments? What was his unfair moments? What did he have to go through? Well, let's just start from the kind of the beginning of Daniel's uh, his journey and his story. He's in the Middle East, and, and at that time, in the ancient Middle East, there were rises and, and uh, destruction. One kingdom would rise, one kingdom would fall. Another kingdom would rise, another kingdom would fall. And about 605 B.C., the Babylonians came in and took over the Israelites, took over Jerusalem, and held captive God's people. Daniel was one of them, along with his friends. And if you read the Bible, his friends were Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And now they're called to serve under King Nebuchadnezzar. Now this king said, you know what, we're going to have to help them to not just learn our ways, but they have to unlearn their ways because they're following this God who does great things. And so teach them our ways, teach them in the literature, the, the, the culture, and, and teach them our language so that they learn our way, so that they don't follow their ways anymore. So Daniel and some of his friends, his, his friends were renamed. Daniel was named Belteshazzar. And then, of course, Hananiah was Shadrach, Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah, Abednego. And so now they're renamed, and in this new kingdom, this king, Nebuchadnezzar, has a dream. So he has this dream, and the king asks his magicians, astrologers, sorcerers, all the fortune tellers, the Chaldeans, to help him to interpret this dream. In other words, he was saying, this is what you guys are good at, supposedly. So you tell me my dream and then interpret it for me. And these, are, these, these guys are saying, wait a minute. Why don't you tell us your dream and then we'll interpret it? He says, no, no, you tell me what I dreamed. And then tell me the interpretation. Well, they said, no one can do that. There's, there's no one who can tell you what you dreamt and then tell you the interpretation. And so the king was furious. Because they couldn't do this, the king orders that all the astrologers and the wise men, he orders that all of them are to be executed, including Daniel and his friends, because Daniel and his friends were part of this, this group of wise men. Now Daniel catches this where the king is saying, just kill them all. All those that are astrologers and wise men and, and those who can uh, solve these things, because they can't tell me my dream and interpret it, just kill them. Well, this man, uh, Ariok, comes up to Daniel and he says, Daniel, here's what the king is asking. Um, can you guys do something about it? If not, we're going to kill you. And now, at that point, I think I would have that person's attention. And so Daniel said, okay, wait, hang on. Wait, what is happening? Well, the king was asking for some of his magicians, astrologers, fortune tellers to interpret this dream or even to tell him what he dreamt. But no one was able to do it. And Daniel said, hang, hang on for one minute, one minute, just because I, I, I think I can help in this case. So Arioch brings him to the king. Now, Daniel becomes ruler over the province of Babylon because he's able to tell the king his dream as well as interpret it. So now he becomes the ruler over the province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. And now Daniel, with permission from the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, he sets up his friends to be in his administration, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So now Nebuchadnezzar, feeling all prideful that, oh, okay, I got some, got some wise counsel around me, and I got this dream, I got interpreted, everything is going great. So now he builds this statue, this gold statue, and he says to his administrators, you make sure that when you play the music, 
that everyone bows down to this statue. And so they put that into play. Every nation, every language should bow down to this statue. Well, the king's men are actually jealous of Daniel and his friends because they're now in a high position. So they're feeling, well, oh, that's kind of unfair. So now they conspire to get rid of them by telling the king that they don't listen to you. They're not bowing down to this statue. So the king gets upset and he throws Daniel's friends into the fiery furnace. Remember that? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were thrown into the fiery furnace, but God saves them from that. The king looks at that and says, they're still walking in there. How is that even possible? That, that it's true. The God that they worship is able to save them. And so he calls out to them, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, get out of there. They come out of the fiery furnace. Not a hair on their heads were burnt, not even smell of smoke on them, and their clothes were still intact. So the king says, okay, there's, there's something different about this God because there's, I never saw that before. So now King Nebuchadnezzar starts praising God. So now he looks to God as his God. But King Nebuchadnezzar has a second dream, which Daniel interprets. And this dream comes to pass. It's actually the humiliation of King Nebuchadnezzar because of his pride. And so now there's a little downfall here. But after Nebuchadnezzar, a new king arises, Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar's next in line. So now Belshazzar is the next person. And now he has a troublesome experience with seeing the finger of God right on the wall. So now he's afraid. He's thinking, what is this? So now King Belshazzar is so troubled that he cries out to the astrologers, same thing that Nebuchadnezzar did, astrologers, the, the, the fortune tellers, the wise men, and he says, you got to help me with this because this is now creepy. This finger of God came out and wrote this on the wall. you got to let me know what this means. Well, no one could interpret it, just like before. So now the king is upset again. And he says, look, if you can tell me, I'll make you third ruler in the kingdom. But still, no one could interpret it. The queen comes, and she remembers Daniel. And she says to the king, she says, listen, don't be distraught. Don't be worried about it. There is a man in your kingdom who is able to interpret this dream. This is a man in whom the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Holy God is found in him. In the days of your father... Light, understanding, and wisdom was found in this man. Your father made him chief over the magicians, astrologers, fortune tellers, and Chaldeans. This man, Daniel, has an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding. Interpret, he interprets dreams. He solves riddles and explains enigmas. Call him and he will give you the explanation. So Daniel explains the writing on the wall, which is not a great thing for this king because basically his days were numbered. He's been found wanting and actually is going to be taken over by another kingdom. So his kingdom is over. But even though it wasn't good news, nevertheless, the king promoted Daniel and he was the third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, this king, Belshazzar, is slain by his own men. And now another king comes in and his name is Darius. Now in Daniel chapter 6, verse 4, it's in your notes, then the other administrators... And high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. So 
They tried to use Daniel's faith in God against him. So they tricked King Darius into passing a decree, a law, that for 30 days, anyone who prayed to any other god or any other man besides the king would be thrown into the lion's den. So Daniel learns about this law. You know what he does? He does the very same thing he's always done. He continues to worship God. He goes home, kneels down, faces Jerusalem, and prays to God three times a day. But now the wicked administrators catches Daniel doing this and tells the king. And they go to the king and say, Hey, king, you're the most powerful man. Kind of puffs up the king. You're the most powerful man. You, you, you can do great things. It's by your word that you can, by, by one word from your mouth, people are slain. You are that powerful. You are that king, right? Yeah, I'm that king. You made a law too. You can pass laws. You do all these great things. Yes, I am that person. And the law that you just passed, this man Daniel is not following. What? Now, this king loved Daniel. So now he's trying to find out a way, okay, how am I going to get around this? And his administrators say, hey, hang on, king, hang on. You just passed the law. Now if you don't follow your law, people are going to think you're weak. You've got to take Daniel out. You've got to throw him in the lion's den. Now it's your law. And so now this king, the king is thinking about how he's going to help Daniel. How is he going to, how is he going to get Daniel out of this? He can't even sleep all night. Because he threw Daniel in the lion's den. And so now, at dawn, he ran to the lion's den and asked Daniel if his God had protected him. Imagine that. You open the lion's den and you cry out, Daniel, did God protect you? You're waiting. You're hoping you wouldn't hear a meow or a lion thingy. And so... Daniel actually says to him, God sent his angels and shut the mouths of the lions. I was found innocent in his eyes. He protected me. I picture Daniel doing this, kind of petting the lions. Oh, yeah. Oh, God would save me. He saved me. Kind of pigeon, but it's, it works for us in Hawaii. Oh, yeah, God saved me. What are you doing, little, what are you doing, little kitty cat? And the cat's like, it's like, like Daniel, he wasn't afraid. He knew that God would protect him. So now the king is happy but still angry at his administrators. So he says to the administrators, you know what? You guys conspired. I know your trick. Ah, now you're found out. You're the guilty ones. He takes them and their entire families, throw them into the lion's den, and the lions devour them. Now it seems like, a wow, yeah, justified. It's, yeah, happy endings only happen when sad endings end. For Daniel, it was a happy ending. It seemed good for Daniel, but not good for these other people. So now, the king issues another decree, another law, ordering the people to fear and, and give reverence to the God of Daniel. And so, Daniel's ending, he prospered under the reign of Darius the king, as well as Cyrus the Persian after him. And there's more to Daniel's story. But here's what we can learn from Daniel. When life seems unfair, here's the first thing. Let the Lord perfect his way. Let the Lord perfect you, his way. See, it wasn't, when God was perfecting Daniel, it wasn't, I don't think that was Daniel's plan. I don't think Daniel was saying, boy, if I can just make it to the lion's den, I'll learn a couple things. There was something that happened in his life while he was in the lion's den. God has his way of helping us, and for Daniel, it was literally through the lion's den. 
Thank God we're not thrown to the lions today. But you might be facing something that you feel like, boy, this is a lion's den. This is a tough thing to deal with. It could be your finances, health. It could be other people. It could be unfair treatment. It could be this law that's going to be passed. And you're, you're wondering, how, where do we fit in this? How can our voice be heard? And you're wondering, well, is, is it fair for one and not fair for the other? Because maybe for a season it was fair for one and not fair for the other. But fair and unfair only becomes an issue when we compare. And so, even with the same-sex law that might be passed, same-sex gender marriage law that will be passed, uh, Wednesday night we'll be addressing some things that we need to do, and then next week, Sunday, a couple other things. But it's really not about a particular group of people. It's really about the law that will be passed and what is actually worded in the bill right now that is being considered the law. So I want to encourage you to be here Wednesday night, and then next week, Sunday, we'll address some other things But even though the laws of the land may change, it shouldn't change our heart for God and our heart for people. See, fair and unfair is is a result and becomes an issue when we compare. See, God God has had his way of of being there with Daniel. And, And although God didn't put Daniel in the lion's den personally, he was already there before Daniel got there. So whatever you're facing, God already was there. And he'll be with you even though you may feel like you're being devoured by lions or attacked by lions. First Peter 2.20, excuse me, 5, 8 through 10, it says, Be alert, be on the watch. Your enemy, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Then it says to be firm in your faith and resist him because you know that your fellow believers in all the world are going through the same kind of sufferings. But after you have suffered for a little while, see, we don't like that part because we know we're going to suffer. Even after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who calls you to share his eternal glory in union with Christ will himself perfect you and give you firmness, strength, and a sure foundation. Yeah, maybe God is not actually putting you through what you're going through, but he will certainly be there with you. And that makes all the difference. While the devil is roaring around and, or, or roaming around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, it's at those moments that you don't look at the situation, but you look to God. You say, God, at this time where it feels like the devil is just roaming around me and it just feels like I'm being attacked by all kinds of directions, what are you perfecting in me? What are you doing here? Not in my situations. What are you doing in me? Because God was in the lion's den long before Daniel got there. And God will be in our darkest moments long before we get there. And he'll be there with us through it all. See, this is what Daniel did in Daniel uh, 6.5. So they concluded, these are the wicked administrators, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. See, in that short time that you're suffering, let God's grace do something in you. That's what Daniel did. When they were conspiring and saying, wait, we've got to find something about his religion. We've got to find something that he's doing. And they still couldn't, so they had to make a law that trapped Daniel. But that didn't sway Daniel's convictions. He stayed close to God. Now, the lion's den, 
occurred when Daniel was 80 years old. That's where he was in his age. And you might be thinking, boy, I'm not there yet, but some of you might be. And you may be thinking, I have nothing more to give. I lived my life. Let the younger people do it. I, I, I'm done already. Imagine if Daniel thought that. Imagine if Daniel said, I'm 80 years old, so I'm done. I'm not going to do this anymore. God came in and he says, I'm still going to use you at your age. You're still a young man in my sight. There's much that you can do. You're not done yet. Imagine if Daniel used that as an excuse and said, no, no, God, I'm done. Now, there are certain limitations, I'm sure, as we age. But Daniel stayed true to his convictions. He didn't let his age deter him. He didn't let the surroundings deter him. He didn't let unfair treatment deter him. He said, I'm staying true to my God. I'm going to do what I've always been doing all my life. This is what I know. I'm not going to listen to the enemy. I'm not going to let him devour me. I'm going to follow my God. And it did something, not just for Daniel, but the entire nation of Israel. Even though Daniel faced agonizing death, he never swayed from God. He could have complained, they're treating me like this because, well, I'm chosen by God. They're treating me like this because I believe in God. They're treating me like this because I'm 80 years old. They're treating me like this because of this reason and that reason. Daniel didn't use those as a reason because he knew who his God was. And he stayed close to his God. He knew that his convictions were something that was God-given. And that was unchanging. And he let the Lord perfect him even though the outside circumstances were not perfect. And God did something great in Daniel. So Daniel 6.10 tells us, when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual, as usual, in his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. When life seems unfair, let the Lord perfect something in you and do what you always do. Trust in God. Pray to God. Give thanks to God, even though it may feel like it's unfair. And then the second thing, rely on God's protection. Rely on the Lord's protection. Rely on who He is, not on your circumstances, not in what is fair or unfair, because it is only an issue when we compare. To say to God, you're, you're going to be my protection. Even though things are fair and you feel they're fair, if you rely on that and not God, it'll still seem unfair because you're not relying on God as your protector. But rely on the Lord as your protector because even when the odds are unfair, it's the Lord that will bring the protection, not what's fair. As Psalm 18, 18 tells us, when I was in trouble, they attacked me. They attacked me. But the Lord protected me. I love it. One preacher, I love what one preacher said. He says, you know, if it's a thousand to one, and that's the odds, a thousand to one, but the Lord is your protector, then that's all the protection you're going to need. I thought, that makes sense. If it's a thousand to one, but the Lord is my protector, I'm good. I'm fine. Because he's my protector. And he's going to see me through the dark times. You may feel like you're in an unfair situation, just like Daniel was held captive. You've got to learn a whole new system. It may seem unfair, but Daniel stayed close to God, and he said, do something in me. I, I know you're doing something in me. Then I'm going to trust that what I cannot see, you're doing something. I, I, I can't see what you're doing. I'm going to trust in your protection. 
I'm not going to rely on outside circumstances. I'm going to rely on you and your protection because it is in those darkest moments that we realize the enormity of God's sovereign, compassionate grace that we would never otherwise learn any other way. How many of us came to Jesus Christ out of a dark moment? How many of us, when we cried out to God out of some difficult situation or some heartache and pain, drew closer to God? It was in those dark moments where God showed up. Why? Because he was already there waiting for us because he knew we would need his help and protection. And he sustained us through those dark moments. Don't forget those dark moment, moments where God showed up. He will always be there. We got to rely on him for our protection. Daniel 6.22. Daniel says, My God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I done any wrong before you, O king. Here's a word I want us to catch because it's going to switch gears a little bit right now. Is that how you spell it? Right. Innocence. This is where, this is where Daniel was justified. That he was found innocent in God's sight. And he didn't do anything wrong against the king. He didn't do anything wrong. See, to be innocent means to make yourself clean, to purify one's self. In other words, we're responsible to make ourselves clean, to purify ourselves. Nobody else is going to do that for us. We must go to God. People can't purify us. God does. But it's our responsibility to go to God. See, when life is unfair, we have a tendency to turn bitter or have unforgiveness or we turn angry, become angry. We become jealous and spiteful. That's what the other administrators did towards Daniel and his friends. That's what they did because they felt it was unfair. But fair and unfair only becomes an issue when we compare. So here's what happens. Here's what Daniel did. The third thing is to have complete trust in God. Complete trust. Trust in God. Not a little bit of trust, not trust Him in this situation or that situation, but complete trust with my whole entire being. Everything that I got, I trust God in every single area, not just in one area, my entire life. See, it'll be difficult to have complete trust in God when you're not pure or innocent before God. If we're innocent before God and we have this purity in us, then God is going to do something great. Now you might think, boy, I am, I am far from that. I, I, I think uh, I am not innocent. I am guilty. That's what you may feel. And the reality is, that may be accurate. It may be true that we're found guilty in God's eyes because of the things we've done against Him. And that may be accurate. See, if Daniel was guilty, if Daniel wasn't innocent and did things that justified him being in the lion's den or did things that caused him to be thrown into the lion's den because he was guilty, then he's not found innocent in the eyes of God because he did do something that he now deserves the punishment for. But Daniel was innocent before God. See, I think some of us, we confuse fair and unfair with consequences. 
that we say, God, how come I'm dealing with this now? But we did something to actually deserve that. Not saying that bad things will happen because you did something wrong. But let's just say you find yourself in jail. And you say, that's not fair. You know, so-and-so did this. They never go to jail. They only had a slap on the wrist and they left. And, you know, they were, they were free. But I did this one small thing and here I am in jail. It's not fair. It's like God is saying, wait, did you do something? Yeah, but, you know, it's not fair because so-and-so didn't. Well, but you're, you're actually guilty then. Yeah, but it's not fair. No, you're receiving the consequences of what you've done. If you tell your wife you're going to be home at 5 o'clock and you come home at 9.30 at night and she's not whistling and cooking you dinner and all happy, there's a reason. Yeah, oh, unfair, unfair, unfair. No, there's a reason. If you're saying that, oh, boy, it's unfair because, you know, I got into a car wreck and, and I didn't have insurance, but now they're suing me. It's not unfair. You actually deserve that. Sorry to say it, that's the reality of the world we live in. If I do something and there's consequences to it, guess what? I'm not innocent. I am guilty. So if you relate that into our spiritual life, if I'm doing something that's not pleasing to God and it's called sin, I'm not innocent in the eyes of God. I'm guilty. And so if we're saying to God, you're unfair because now I'm dealing with this. Look at this issue in my marriage, my, my relationships, my family. Everything's falling apart. Well, what's happening? Well, you know, I'm doing this, 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 and this. I know it's not pleasing to you, but how come it's not fair? Why am I being treated like this? Well, how do you treat other people? Well, I slap them in the head. Well, then they're going to do the same to you. Yeah, but that's unfair. You know, they deserve that. Well, you did something to them. You see how fair and unfair can play with us all the time when we're guilty? Daniel was found innocent in the eyes of God. Therefore, God protected him. Because for many of us, we are actually living what we deserve. It's sad. It's very sad. The Bible says it in this way, 1 Peter 2.20. For what credit is there if you endure the beatings you deserve for having done wrong? But if you endure suffering, even when you have done right, God will bless you for it. Now again, happy endings only become a happy ending when sad endings have ended. Here's our, our, here's our happy ending, because here's where our sad moment ends. We are not found innocent in God's eyes. We're found guilty in his eyes. But this is what God did. He said, you know what I'll do? I'll take my son, I'll put him on the cross, I'll put all the guilt and shame on him. Therefore, you will be found innocent in my eyes. In other words, God through Jesus Christ, his one and only son, in the lion's den, where we deserve to be thrown in. God says, now you're found innocent in my eyes. Are you guilty? Absolutely, but Christ took that for you. Now in my eyes, you're innocent. See how important our relationship with God is? It's, it's His love and compassion for us. We deserve the lion's den because we're guilty. But God says, I'll, I'll take care of that because of my compassion. That's the power of God's compassion. Now we're found innocent in the eyes of God. Well, what does that mean? What does that do for my life? Because if you feel like life is unfair in the situation you're facing, and you feel like giving up, 
but you're doing what is right according to the ways of God. You're not facing what is fair or unfair. When you, as the Bible says, you endure suffering even when you have done right, you may feel like this season is not the greatest season. It feels unfair. And you're suffering for it. But you're declared innocent in the eyes of God because of Christ's Son. Oh, because of God's Son, Jesus Christ. You're found innocent. It's not about fair and unfair and how difficult it is. Really, the suffering you're going through, you're going through that because God is just about to bless you. He's just about to do that. He's saying, even if you suffer for a little while and you're doing right what's for me, what's right in my eyes, and you're doing what is right, I will bless you for it. Yeah, you're suffering for it, but if you're doing what is right in my eyes, I'm going to bless you for it. No compromise. You do what is right in my eyes, I will bless you for it. Not do what's little right in my eyes. Not just do what you want to do that you feel is right in my eyes. No, you follow my ways, I will bless you for it. That even though the devil roams around like a roaring lion, I will be your protector. I sent you my one and only son. He is the lion of Judah. He is your protector. You're now innocent in my eyes and I'm going to protect you through all kinds of things that come your way. Daniel 6, 23, the king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted his God. See, when you're faithful, responsible, and completely trustworthy, it won't matter if life is fair or unfair because your perspective will not be on you. It will not be on your circumstances or what you're going through. It'll be on the one in whom can turn unfair situations into great, miraculous situations. We keep our eyes on the one who can rescue us from what seems unfair because Jesus knows what it's like to have unfair treatment. He died for our sins. Talk about being unfair. If anything, we should say to God, you are the most fairest God. You are the only God who is that fair because you are a just and righteous God. You loved us that much that you said, I'm going to do it this way so that you're innocent in my eyes. In Psalm 107, 14 and 15, he led them from the darkest From the darkness and deepest gloom, he snapped their chains. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. And I think for many of us, that's where we found Christ. We found Christ in the the lion's den. We were in the darkest moment of our life. It was through the season of feeling like life was unfair that our relationship with God was strengthened. That's where we found courage. See, every one of us will face a lion's den. But be of good courage. Christ already overcame it. He's already been there. When you come into a dark moment, be of good cheer, for the light of the world is there with you. And he will always be there with you. God is fair in all he does. Follow his ways, trust in him. Romans 9, 14 through 16 says, Shall we say then that God is unjust? Not at all. For he has said to Moses, I will have mercy on anyone I wish. I will take pity on anyone I wish. So then everything depends not on what human beings want or do, but only on God's mercy. See, fair and unfair only becomes an issue when we compare. If you ever compare, don't compare to what's fair and unfair. Compare it to the cross. 
Because that's where you'll find hope. That's where you'll find healing. It's, it's at the cross of Christ and what he did so that we're innocent in the eyes of God. If I'm going to think of anything, if I'm going to recall anything to my mind, it's not going to be about what's fair or unfair. It's going to be about what Christ did for me on the cross. God's compassion. Let's read this last scripture together in Lamentations 3, verses 21 through 24. Let's read it. Ready? Go. This I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in Him. Isn't that powerful? That's His promise to us. No matter if it looks fair or unfair, His compassions fail not. His mercies are new every single morning. Today is a brand new day, guys. His compassions fail not. You can close your Bibles and put away your notes. We're going to pray. We're going to pray to the one that our soul knows very well. Therefore, we hope in him. Would you bow your heads with me as we conclude in our prayer time? Heavenly Father, it's with a joyful heart that that as we leave here today, we understand that, it's, that in this world, there will be times where life seems unfair. But you are a just God. You are the hope that we have. I know for some of us, and I've been there, Lord, we didn't know about this hope that was found in you. We're searching for all kinds of things, and I've done that. I'd look for other things that would fill the void in my heart try to help me with this problem that I'm going through, but really it's, it's all found in you. It's not found anywhere else. And so this morning, Lord, I pray for those who have never put their hope in you. They've never given their hearts to you. They've never said yes to this relationship with you. They've never given their hearts to Jesus Christ, and it's through the cross, the cross of Christ, that we find redemption, forgiveness, and healing, and a brand new start. And there may be some of you this morning, you're saying, boy, I would love that opportunity, but I just don't know what to do. Well, I want to lead you in a prayer. And in this prayer, you're going to have a brand new beginning. God will lift this guilt off of you. And you're going to be found innocent in His eyes. That everything you've ever done against God is washed away. You're a new person. And it's believing in Jesus Christ and the things that He did for you on the cross. And if you want that, you want to receive Christ this morning, could you just lift the hand and I'll pray with you. I'll lead you in a prayer. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to stand or anything. Good, just hold up your hands and we're going to pray together. Good, hold them up. Lord, you see the hands. You see the hearts. Lord, I pray for them right now that, that as you're doing something in their hearts and in their lives that they would have that sense in their spirit that it's a brand new day. It's a new beginning. You can put your hands down. We can all say this prayer together and especially for those who are wanting to receive Jesus for the very first time who just lifted their hands. You can say this prayer with me. Let's all say it together. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross. And thank you for dying for my sins. 
that you made me innocent. You paved the way so that I could have eternal life with you in heaven. I believe in you and I thank you for being my God. In Jesus' name I pray. With every head bowed and eyes closed, how many of you, like me as a Christian, boy, we feel like we're in the lion's den from time to time and, and, and sometimes we look at the circumstances rather than God and, and maybe today is like a recalibration. It's just getting our eyes back on God that in the midst of darkness, we're going to see the greatest thing that God would ever do in our lives, the greatest miracle, that even though things may not go according to our way, we're going to let the Lord perfect us His way. And if that's you, could you just lift a hand and in doing so you're saying, Lord, that's me. I, I want to put everything that I got in you, trust in you. Yeah, many of us, Lord, can put your hands down. Lord, our heart, our, our spirit, and everything that we believe in you, we trust you with. And we know that life may not be fair, but you are a just God. And because of you, we're declared innocent in your eyes long ago. Even before you made the world, you loved us and you chose us to be holy and without fault in your eyes. And it's because of that that we understand that your compassions fail not. Your mercies are new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness. You are our portion. Our soul knows that very well. Therefore, we put our hope in you. In Jesus' name.